0: Chapter 7 of six years in the prisons of England by a merchant edited by Frank Henderson this LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Chapter 7 Thiefology what the Uninitiated convict may learn in prison. As a means of beguiling the time while in the hospital I used to enter into long conversations with those of my fellow prisoners who were willing to gratify my curiosity, with a view of ascertaining their mode of life when out of prison. At first it was somewhat difficult for me to follow them in their talk, in consequence of their excessive use of slang terms. But in time I not only came to understand the nomenclature of thiefology, but also to use it fluently, as I found it more acceptable to my companions to do so and rendered them more favourably disposed towards me. One of my fellow prisoners was particularly communicative and obliging, and gave me a great deal of well-meant advice, no doubt, as to how I might live at the public expense outside the prison walls, as well as explanations in every department of crime. I remember the following dialogue taking place between us, which also serves to show how an ignoramus in the service or a young country lad, perhaps for the first time convicted of crime, might be instructed in vice, and incited to continue a career he had perhaps very thoughtlessly or under strong temptation began. Harry, I asked, what's that bloke? Footnote 6. Man. End of footnote 6 herefore who occupies the end bed twining twining what's that don't you know that yet why you must be a greenhorn not to know that well i'll tell you suppose you start in the morning with a good sovereign and a snide footnote 7 counterfeit end of footnote 7 Half sovereign in your pocket. You go into some place or other and ask for a change of the sovereign. Or you order some beer and give the sovereign in payment. It's likely you will get half a sovereign and silver back in change. Then it's time to twine. You change your mind after you have run footnote 8, substituted end of footnote 8, your snide half quid footnote 9, Sovereign, end of footnote 9, with the good one, and throwing down the snide half, say you prefer silver. The landlord or landlady, or whoever it is, will pick up the snide half quid, thinking of course it is the same one they had given you. Is that a good game, do you think? Well, that depends on the party. If he has got good togs on, looks pretty decent, and can work it well he may make a good living at it how much do you suppose if he can manage to begin every morning with yellow stuff he may make a couple of quid a day but if he can only muster white stuff why of course he can't make so much two pounds a day would do if it could be got regularly but i suspect there are not many who make that oh i have known them make much more than that but of course it varies Some days nothing may be done, but the great thing is to have something to start with. Do you ever think of trying to make money at work? Work? No, by jingo. I'll never work. That's all they can make one do in prison, and it will be time enough to work when we get there. I have heard you speak of hoisting. How do you go about that? Ah, that's a much better game but it requires a fellow to be rigged out like a toff, footnote 10, gentleman, end of footnote 10, and then generally have a flash mole, footnote 11, prostitute of the gayest sort, end of footnote 11, with them at that job. She can secrete articles about her dress when in a shop looking at things, and that's one way of hoisting. Jewellers' shops are the best places for that game. I know a bloke who made several hundreds at it. He took fine lodgings, and his mole looked quite the lady, so he orders some jewellery to be sent on sight. He prigs the best of it and bolts. Then you can get snide jewellery made to look the same as real stuff, and when you are in the shop with your mole, she is trying on a ring perhaps, when you put the snide one in its place, and she sticks to the right one. I am afraid that game would be above my abilities. Well, I'll tell you what I did once, and what you may do when you get out, when winter sets in. You can have some other game in summer, perhaps go hawking and do a bit of thieving when you see the coast clear. My brother and I, and another bloke, went out chance screwing one winter, and we averaged three pounds a night each. My brother had a spring cart with a fast trotting horse, so when it began to grow dark, off we set to the outskirts of London. I did the screwing in this way. Wherever I saw a lobby lighted with gas, I looked in at the keyhole. If I saw anything worth lifting, I screwed the door. I'll teach you how to do it. Seize the things into the cart with them, and off to the next place. Now, Big Davy goes out about the same time as you, and he knows a bloke with a cart, and so you may do very well at winter at that game, but be sure to leave off by nine o'clock, as you would get it very hot if caught after that time. Well, I shall see Big Davy perhaps, but don't you think high-flying would suit me better, although I know little about it? Oh, that's above your mark. A high flyer is a bloke who dresses like a clergyman or some gentleman. He must be educated for his game is to know all the nobility and gentry and visit them with got up letters and that kind of thing for the purpose of getting subscriptions to some scheme. A church building or missionary affair is the best game. There is only one good high flyer in the prison. I knew him get a hundred and fifty L from a gentleman in Devonshire once, and he thinks nothing of getting thirty L of a morning. Finding my friend so communicative and apparently so experienced in the various branches of his profession, I took advantage for every convenient opportunity to ascertain from him the meaning of the slang terms which my comrades made use of when conversing together but through ignorance of which I was often unable to understand exactly what they were talking about. On another occasion I accordingly asked him the meaning of a number of these terms, which I had thus heard bandied about from time to time amongst them. On asking him about macing, he replied, Macing means taking an office, getting goods sent to it, and then bolting with them. Or getting goods sent to your lodgings and then removing. I'll tell you a game that you might try now and again as you have a chance. And that is fawny Dropping. You know fawny means a ring. Well you must have a pal and give him a snide ring with a ticket. And the price marked on it. When you are walking along the street and see a likely toff to buy the ring. Your pal goes on before and drops it. You come up behind him, and in front of the gentleman you pick up the ring, which is ticketed, say, five pounds, while you turn to the toff and say to him that you have found a ring, which is entirely useless to you, and you never wear these articles, and ask him to purchase it. He will most likely look at the ticket, and see it marked five pounds, and if you say you will let him have it for three pounds, or two pounds, or even for one pound if he hesitates, It is also likely he will buy it, thinking he is getting a great bargain. What do you mean by snow dropping? I asked. Ah, said he, that's a poor game. It means lifting clothes off the bleaching line or hedges. Needy mislers, mumpers, shallow blokes and flats may carry it on, but it's too low and paltry for you. What do you mean by mumpers and shallow blokes? I inquired. Why, mumpers are cadgers, beggars in fact. There's old Dick over in that bed there, he used to go mumping. And when he got boozy, with too much lush, he stole some paltry thing or other, and being so often convicted, they have legged, footnote 12, sentenced, end of footnote 12. Him at last, they can't make an honest living, and can't make a living by thieving. But, you know, it's different with you. You could make a fair thing by snotter-hauling, even if you cannot get on at fly-buzzing, which would suit you well enough. But it's better to stick to one good game and get as expert at that as you can, for then you don't run so much risk and you can keep a sharper lookout after the coppers. Footnote 13 Policemen End of footnote thirteen talking of mumping old dick used to go to the farmhouses with a piece of dried cow dung and ask for a bit of butter to put on it very often they took pity on him and gave him lots of meat for they thought he must be very hungry to eat the cow dung which of course you know was only a dodge in order to get to liverpool once from some place up the mersey Whence the fare down was a shilling. Dick went on board the steamer and asked the captain what he charged for lambs. A penny head, says the captain. Oh, that would do, says Dick, and away he goes among the passengers. When they were collecting the fares, Dick holds out his penny, which was all the tin he had in the world. The fares a shilling, said the captain. Yes, it may be, said Dick. But I asked you the fare for lambs. My name is Lamb. I am an innocent creature. And the long and short of it is, I've only a penny. If you can't take it, just give me a sale back again. That chap over there with the one arm is a regular mumper. And he is a strong, robust fellow, able to work with every man in the prison. But he can make ten times more by mumping. And I do not blame the like of him going on that racket. Every man for himself in this world. Do you see that little old man with a cough on him? Well, his game is needy mizzling. He'll go out without a shirt, perhaps, and beg one from house to house. I have known him to get thirty mill togs, footnote fourteen, shirts, end of footnote fourteen, in one day which at a bob apiece would fetch their thirty shillings. When he can't go on that racket, he'll turn mumper and wood merchant, which means a seller of Lucifer matches, and sometimes he will take to rag and bone collecting. What do you call a shallow bloke? He is a cove that acts the turnpike sailor, pretends he has been shipwrecked and so on, or he gets his arm bandaged. And put in a sling. I once knew two blokes who went to an old captain's house on that game and as they were not able to reply to some of his nautical questions he and his son gave them a regular horse whipping. When they got home they boasted to a lot of their chums how much they had screwed out of the old captain. This induced some of them to go on the same racket and of course they met with the same warm reception. These shallow blokes turn duffers sometimes. They get some duffing silk handkerchiefs and cigars and go about selling them for smuggled goods. Or perhaps they will take to singing in the streets. But I spoke of snotter hauling. Although I think you are too old for that racket, and unless you were very hard up and in a crowd, I would not bother about it. It would not pay for the risk run. It does best for kids footnote 15 boys end of footnote 15 a little boy can sneak behind a toff and relieve him of his wipe as easily as possible i know a little fellow who used to make seven bob a day at it on the average but there were more silk wipes used then than there are now what do you mean by lob sneaking and peter screwing why Lob means the till, and peter means a safe. Stealing the till and opening the safe is what we call lob sneaking and peter screwing. And what is jumping and jolting? Jumping is getting into a house through the window, and jolting is getting in on the sly or on false pretenses at the door, and sneaking what you can find. It is not a bad game to go into hotels, for instance, as a traveller, and as soon as you see a chance to sneak anything, to bolt with it. I know some fellows who make a fair living in this way. Then there is twisting and fencing. When you go into any place where hats, coats or umbrellas are left in the lobby, you can take a new tog or a new hat by mistake for your own. That is twisting or rigging the chances Then the fence-master is the fellow who buys stolen property. I will give you the names of some of these blokes in London before you go out, but you must know where to dispose of a supper. Footnote 16 Watch End of footnote 16 Or whatever you get, or it would be of no use to you. You know what buzzing or pocket-picking is, of course. And you have heard of working on the stop, most likely, which means picking pockets when the party is standing still. But it is more difficult on the fly. You must remember that. I remember once going along Oxford Street, and I pricked an old woman's poke. Footnote 17 Purse End of footnote 17 On the fly. She missed it very quick, and was coming after me, when I slipped it into an old countryman's pocket as I was passing. She came up and accused me of stealing her purse. I, of course, allowed her to search me, and asked her to fetch a bobby, if she was not satisfied. Well, I followed the old countryman and accused him of stealing my purse. And, my crikey, if you had only seen how the old codger looked when he found the purse in his pocket." I threatened to give him in charge of the first copper I saw, and he was so frightened that I actually got a quid out of him to let him off. Well now, tell me about snide pitching. Snide, you know, means counterfeit or bad. Anything bad we call snide. Snide pitching is passing bad money and is a capital racket, especially if you can get rid of fins. What are fins? five pound notes or flash notes i can give you the address of one or two fellows who make bad coins and you can pass one or two when you see a fair chance what do they charge for sovereigns for instance the charge depends on the quality you can get them at from six to fifteen shillings those at fifteen shillings no one can discover they are the weight the size and all that is required the low priced ones of course you must run more risk with. Making bad coins is one of the best games out, and you can carry it on with less risk. For instance, you can have your place where you work so blocked up that before anyone can enter, you will have time to destroy all your dyes and tools and melt or plant your metal, and without them, they cannot convict you. I know a bloke in Birmingham now who was getting up scotch £1 notes when I was copped, And he is a capital hand at the trade. He once made a good deal by making snide postage stamps. But one would require to know something about the different metals before they could be able to make snide. Yes, that is necessary, but I think I know who will tell you. He has got 20 years and is not likely to get a chance of doing more at the trade. These fellows who follow that racket are rather close, and don't want to tell everyone. The other day, I heard a bloke talking about a picking-up mole he used to live with. What did he mean by that? Oh, that's a very common racket. He meant a flash towel or prostitute, who goes about the streets at night, trying to pick up toffs. When she manages to do this, her accomplice, the koshman, a man who carries a kosh, or life-preserver, comes up when she has signed to him that she has got the toff's watch and chain and quarrels with him for meddling with his wife whilst the quarrel is going on the mole walks off with the booty i know one coshman who pretends to be a missionary and wears a white choker instead of quarreling he talks seriously to the toff about the sin of fornication and advises him to pursue a more becoming life in future and finishes off by giving him a religious tract. Now, I have nearly finished my questions but whilst there is time tell me about magging and mag flying. Magging is not so good a game as it used to be. It means more particularly swindling a greenhorn out of his cash by the mere gift of the gab. You know if it were not for the flats how could the sharps live? You can mag a man At any time you are playing cards or at billiards, and in various other ways. As for mag flying, that is not good for much. You have seen those blokes at fairs and races throwing up coppers or playing at pitch and toss. Well, these are mag flyers. The way they do it is to have a penny with two heads or two tails on it, which they call a grey. And of course they can easily dupe flats from the country. How do they call it a grey, I wonder? I suppose they have named it after Sir George Grey, because he is a two-faced bloke. Well then, tell me about locusing and bellowsing. Locusing is putting a chap to sleep with chloroform, and bellowsing is putting his lights out. In other words, drugging and murder. Now then, show me how to hang a fellow up or put the flimp on him, as you call it. Do I see that bone in the wrist? Just get that on the windpipe, so. Showing me practically how to garrote. While at this interesting experiment, we heard a voice cry, Cheese it! Cheese it, Harry! There's the screw looking at you! Which warned us that the prison warder was also taking notes, and my lesson for that day came to a rather abrupt conclusion. End of chapter 7